Rob, my my youngest kid has learned how to lie. Oh, uh, it's only a matter of time. She scribbled with pencil on the dining table. Oh. And she said, oh, no, her sister did it. I said, uh. mm, I don't think your sister really scribbles with crayons and pencils anymore. She said yes for about five minutes. <laughs> then I thought she had cracked. And she said, okay, mommy did it. <laughs> mm, I don't, I don't think so. Five more minutes. Grandma did it. Okay, your grandma who lives in Wyoming and visited us last two months ago uh, for about three days. You think she scribbled on the table and yeah. that we didn't notice till now. Nope. Just to blame it on you. Sounds like grandma. Like to be in that headspace where you just expect to be believed. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. like... Uh, uh, no officer. That's not my heroine. Uh, Richard Nixon left it in my car. No, he's not Nothing dead. See here. Well, maybe it was his grandma then. It's time. Time for a thrilling story of romance, adventure, mystery, anything with an expired copyright. It's time for another Interrupted Tale! Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Interrupted Tales, the show where my friend and I take turns reading stories to you, the listener, while the other person constantly interrupts. As always, I am Alan, and this is my friend Rob. Hello, Alan. Okay, great. This week... We have a story from the pages of Galaxy Science Fiction from June 1955. Title of our story is The Picture Bride by William Morrison. It's time to curl up in your favorite chair and grab a drink while I read you this week's tale. My brother Perry always was a bit cracked. I was a bit mad, which was always the superior magazine. As a kid, he almost blew up our house doing experiments. When he was 18, he wrote poetry, but fortunately that didn't last long, and he went back to science. Poetry? Who ever heard of a male poet? Go back to science where everyone's a man and nothing rhymes. Now, when he showed me this picture, I figured... He'd had a relapse of some kind. This is the girl I'm in love with, he said. She wasn't bad. Not bad at all, even if her clothes were crazy. The leg warmers I could understand, but she did not have the body for that jumpsuit. I'm just saying. She wasn't my type. Too brainy looking. <laughs> Although I could see how some guys would go for her. I prefer troglodytes myself. The bigger the shelf brow, the better. This this guy is already super dislikable. Um, yeah, I I didn't care for her hemispheres. They were too bony. <laughs> like a smooth hemisphere as much as possible. I thought you liked blondes. I wouldn't give you two cents for all the blondes in Hollywood, he answered. This is the only girl for me. You sound as if you've got it bad, I said. 
You going to marry her? His face dropped about a mile. I can't. Ours is a love that dares not speak its name. By the way, its name is Steve. You mean she's married already? (laughs) Ah, I guess the 50s, where she's either married or must marry you if you love her. Truly a golden age. I was surprised. This wasn't like Perry at all. He sort of hesitated, as if he was afraid of saying too much. No, she isn't married. I asked her about that. But I can't marry her because, well, I've never met her. All I've seen of her is this picture and a few more. She doesn't live here. She, she's from Canada. Yeah, that's it. A town in Canada with no phones or last names. They're all castles. <laughs> you mean she's in Europe? I've heard of these love affairs by mail, and they never made much sense to me. I said to Perry, why can't she come to this country? I'm thinking green card, but uh, oh, there are a lot of things in the way. Uh, The border wall, Homeland Security, the Coast Guard. We wouldn't want any of those brainy types getting in here. No, it's too, too sharp hemisphered. It sounded worse and worse. I said, look, Perry, this smells like a racket to me. It's the kind of thing a couple of shrewd operators cook up to take some hick for a ride. (laughs) And we're hicks. That's obvious. I'm surprised at you for falling for it. How do you know there really is a dame like that in Europe? Anybody can send pictures. You got it all wrong, he said. I've spoken to her. She's totally real, bro. I've really talked to her because she's real and talking is something that real people do. That's right. By phone? How did you know who's on the other end? You hear a dame's voice you never heard before. What makes you think it's hers? It could have been a high-pitched man or some kind of Norwegian sex robot. Norwegian? They make the best sex robots. Okay, I'm going to take your word on that one. (laughs) Again, he didn't seem to want to talk, as if he had some secret to hide. But I guess he felt like getting things off his chest, too, or he wouldn't have opened up in the first place. And he had already told me enough so that if he didn't tell me more, he'd sound like a dope. But he sounded perfectly reasonable so far so i think he's worrying about nothing i mean these guys dope dars uh on the fritz <laughs> dope dar wasn't invented to the 60s so you can't blame them too much well they were trying to replace ddt and <laughs> um reactions to it um so after hesitating even longer than before he said let's get this straight george this is no racket I have seen and talked to her at the same time. And the things she talked about, no con man would know. She knows Nigerian princes and everything. You've seen and talked to her at the same time? You mean by TV? I don't believe it. They can't send TV to Europe. Ah, a tragic and unforeseen consequence of Roosevelt's Lend-Lease Act. Oh, we should have just committed to the war. Why did it take (laughs) Pearl Harbor for television happen (laughs) i didn't say it was tv and i didn't say she lived in europe i said canada damn it she's a fisherman in nova scotia okay gosh that's exactly what you did say or maybe you meant she lived on mars well that would be a god awful small affair i'm gonna give you another chance just you know for bowie's sake there rob let me hear that again well That would be a god-awful small affair. You got it. No, 
She's an American. Oh, night. Sorry. This makes less and less sense to me. Where did you meet her? He turned red and squirmed all over the place. Finally, he said, right here in my own laboratory. Oh, my God. He's been in love with a sea monkey this whole time. I knew it. Ooh, was Kelly LeBrock a sea monkey? <laughs> That's not how... Only from the waist down. You notice they never oh, show Oh, my... Oh. Think about it. Yeah. No, I don't want to. <laughs> in your own laboratory. But you said you never met her in the flesh. I didn't. Not really by TV either. The fact is, she isn't born yet. But you know, Alan, uh, this is actually a good segue to uh, that it's time to do the ad for our new sponsor. So, um, okay, go ahead. Let me get the copy here. <clears throat> Introducing America's newest dating app. It's called Fetal Attraction. Oh. That's right. Fetal Attraction. The first dating app by the unborn for the unborn. Okay, I think I need to talk to our sponsors. Oh, this is going great. Why be born and wait 20 or 30 years to settle for someone when you can be matched up while still in the womb? Okay. Get ready to set your status to in utero and in love. It's going to be really hard figuring out the bumper music for this. <laughs> Fetal attraction. We pair you before your parents can bear you. Mm. I think that went pretty well for our first ad. Yeah, yeah. Now we just got to wait for that sweet audible.com money to come in. I backed away from him. When he was a kid and blew up our kitchen, I didn't like it. Mostly because I was cooking a souffle at the time. And, uh, well, let's just say I didn't win the Great British Bake Off that year. Um, plus, your kitchen blew up. That's a big renovation. I mean, <laughs> I know you're just a kid, but you got you to gotta realize that costs money. When he wrote poetry, I was kind of ashamed and didn't want my pals to know he was my brother. Oh, no. Again, poet poetry shaming. What, the, what did Ezra Pound's brother think of him? I, now I was really scared. Everything he had been saying in the last 10 minutes began to make sense, but a screwy kind of sense. I'm starting to understand you and it's freaking me out, baby. I'm glad that it's making sense to somebody. <laughs> He saw how I felt. Don't worry, George. I haven't gone crazy. Her time is 2973, more than a thousand years from now. The only way I've seen and talked to her is on a time contact machine. Ah, time contact machines. A joint production of Time Magazine and 321 Contact, featuring hard-hitting reporting by the Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> okay, how does Ghostwriter factor into this? <laughs> Was he from the future? Yeah. <laughs> He does that. Uh, he does a column in the back. It's, oh, it's okay. really it's skippable. It's I skippable. know. Boy, times are tough for ghostwriters. <laughs> um, come again. A kind of time machine. It can't send material objects back and forth across time, as far as I know. But it can send certain waves, especially the kind we use to transmit signals. That's how she and I could talk to each other and see each other. Oh, man. Now my mom's going to be able to FaceTime me from the 70s. Ugh, no thanks. Perry, I think you ought to see a good doctor. Just don't see the good doctor. That show is terrible. It's a remarkable device, he said, paying no attention to how I was trying to help him. She's the one who first constructed it and contacted me. It's based on an extension of Einstein's equations. It's... <laughs> <laughs> e equals mc squared plus one 
<laughs> she cracked the code. You think you can explain so much, I said. Okay, then explain this. This dame isn't going to be born for a thousand years, and yet you tell me you're in love with her. What's the difference between you and somebody that's nuts, I asked, as if anybody knew the answer. Actually, Alan, I do know the answer to this, and it's raisinets. Don't ask me why, but the answer is raisinets. Are you... Isn't it like um, an Almond Joy minus amounts plus milk? That's what the government wants you to think. Okay. He certainly didn't. In fact, he went ahead and proved to me that they were the same thing. Are we still on mounds? Sometimes because for like the not. next couple of weeks, the only thing he'd talk about outside of equations I couldn't understand was this dame. How smart she was and how beautiful she was and how wonderful she was in every way that a dame could be wonderful. Why, she's both kind of wonderful. Country and Western. <laughs> okay, I'm going to put Rawhide for the <laughs> advertising bumper music. And how she loved him. For a time, he had me convinced that she actually existed. Compared with you, I said, Romeo had a mild case. Huh. I, I didn't know there was such a thing as a mild case of poisoning and a knife to the heart. Live and learn. <laughs> Just a mild case. It'll yeah. pass. Mm -hmm. There are some quantities so great that you can't measure them. Like love or Gabriel and Iglesias' belt size. You know, because he's so fluffy. Oh, Gabriel Iglesias. <laughs> That'll give you some idea of our love for each other. There it went. The old poetry cropping out in him just like before. And all the time I'd been thinking it was like measles. Something that you get once and it builds up your resistance so you don't get it again. At least not bad. It just goes to show how wrong I could be. It, it turned out I was thinking of rock and pneumonia the whole time. Oh, my grandparents died of boogie woogie flu. That's not a joking matter, Rob. Oh, oh I'm so the sorry. I forgot. Top it was 10 cause of death the entire time the Andrews sisters were touring. Alan, I'm... I'm so sorry for your pain and your loss. Okay, thank you. <laughs> what preacher are you going to get to marry you, I asked. A guy born 500 years from now? Yeah, his uh, his name is John Luke, and he has a he's a ship captain, and he's French, but he has an English accent. It's totally normal in the future. I don't think that's funny, he said. <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and then he repeated it again in my voice. <laughs> No commentary from the story. You're telling me. Look, Perry, you're smart enough to know what I'm thinking. You still think I'm crazy. No, no, no. You're not crazy, Perry. Not crazy at all. Now put this coat on and I'll buckle you up from the back. I got an open mind on the subject. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> now, if you won't see a doctor, then how about letting me look at this dame so I can convince myself? No, he said. I've considered doing that and decided against it. Her voice and image come through for only about five minutes a day, sometimes less. And those minutes are very precious to us. We don't want anyone else present, anyone at all. Yes, our transmissions from Canada, I mean, I mean the future, are very brief and often only occur while I'm in the shower or when mom runs to the store. <laughs> transmissions, yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not even to convince me she actually exists? 
You wouldn't be convinced anyway, he said very shrewdly. No matter what I showed you, you'd still find a reason to call it a fraud. He was right about that. It could take a lot of convincing to make me believe that a babe who wasn't going to get born for a thousand years was in love with him. No way a babe could convince him. Now, now a dame. I'm thinking that could happen. There's, there's apparently only two kinds of women in 1955, <laughs> and, babes and dames. And this guy knows the difference. By this time, though, I was sure of one thing. There was something screwy going on in that laboratory of his. For five minutes a day, he was watching some dame's picture, listening to her voice. If I had an idea what she was like, I might figure out where to go from there. Plus, I had a few sports-related questions for her. Maybe she could send me, oh, I don't know, some kind of sports almanac, just to get to know her better, that's all. I began keeping an eye on Perry dropping in at the laboratory to pay him visits. There was what looked like a 10-inch TV tube in one corner of his place, not housed in a cabinet, but lying among dozens of other tubes and rheostats and meters and other things I didn't know about. But I knew how they were worded, and <laughs> I kept the word rheostat in my memory, even though I'm not at all certain what one is. I could totally spot that, pick that out of a table of stuff. Come on, Riestat. Along the wall that led from the corner was a lot of stuff which Perry said was high voltage and warned me not to touch. Why, voltage that high could lead to dangers such as fires in the disco or fires in the Taco Bell. Sorry, I, I was trying to... Uh, gates of hell. Sorry, gates... <laughs> there you go. Also the gates of hell. There you go. I kept away. I wasn't trying to figure out how to get myself killed. All I wanted to know was when he saw this girl. I just wanted to spy on my little brother and his girlfriend in a perfectly respectable and above-board manner. What's so wrong with that? Finally, I managed to pin the time down between 3 and 4 in the afternoon. For five minutes every day, during that hour, he locked the door and didn't answer phone calls. I figured that if I dropped in then... I might get a glimpse of her. And that's what I did. Uh-oh. He's going to run in and see his brother making out with a Dyson vacuum, isn't he? Dyson, I wish, to get that <laughs> kind of air suckage? At first, when I knocked on the door, there was no answer. In a minute, though, I heard Perry's voice, but he wasn't talking to me. He was saying, darling, and he sounded kind of sick, which I figured was due to love. Come to think of it, he might have been scared a little. I heard him say, Don't be afraid. And it was quiet for about 15 seconds. And then I heard snoring and the sounds of anime softly playing in the background. Then I heard a terrific crash, like lightning strike. The door shook and I smelled something sharp. And the first thing I wanted to do was get out of that place. But I couldn't leave my brother in there. Not with that delicious smell of sharp cheddar and the, his lactose intolerance. Sharp, sharp. <laughs> he smelled uh, something sharp. Sharp. I put my shoulder to the door and had no trouble at all. The explosion, or whatever it was, must have weakened the hinges. As the door crashed in, I looked for Perry. There was no sign of him, but I could see his shoes on the floor in front of that TV tube, where he must have been standing. No feet in them, though. Just his socks. This guy's one fallen house away from being the dorkiest wicked witch the Oz has ever seen. 
with all the i bet they got the little three stripes on them too and everything <laughs> man these guys are dorks all the high voltage stuff was smoking the tv screen was all lit up and on it i could see a girl's face the same girl whose picture perry had shown me she was wearing one of those funny costumes and she looked scared it was a clear picture and i could even see the way she gulped it was just like a normal gulp, only you could tell it was a future gulp from the silver jumpsuit it wore. Hmm. It must be the change in the amount of carbon dioxide in the air. <laughs> so heavy. Then she broke out into a happy smile, and for about half a second before the second explosion, I could see Perry on the screen. After that second explosion, even though it wasn't near as big as the first, that TV set was nothing but a mess of twisted junk and there was no screen left to see anything on. So much for that dual screen experience I've heard so much about. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to tap on my phone. Perry liked to have everything just so, and he'd never think of going anyplace without his tie being knotted just right, and his socks matching, and so on. <laughs> and uh, the tie pin, and also maybe like a saucy kind of flair with his uh, pocket square. I'm thinking he's a pocket square. You know, not just a peak, but maybe the wave or <laughs> something with a little flounce to it. French cuffs, for sure. And here he traveled a thousand years into the future in bare feet. It felt kind of embarrassed for him. Oh, man. Think of all the future people staring at him, pointing at the rube with no shoes on or, or no cranial port for jacking into the net. Anyway, they were engaged. And now they must be married. So I guess she had slippers waiting for him. I'm just sorry I missed the wedding. Uh, the end. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Yeah, like all great stories, it ends with the lack of a wedding. It seems like it takes a leap to get to them being engaged and, and then married in the future. Rather than his brother being, you know, eaten for the raw flesh that tempts men mm -hmm. into the future. Yeah, this is this is very much the other person's story in a horror movie. All right, what did you think the moral of this story is, Rob? Well, you know, I, I think the moral is pretty damn simple, actually. It's that uh, if dating isn't working out for you, simply try dating outside of your immediate time stream. It, after all, it worked for that lady on Outlander. So, Alan, what did you think the moral of the story was? Mostly involves about the love that a man can have for a rheostat. <laughs> Nothing better measures love than a rheostat. And that's that's that comes from not knowing what a rheostat actually is. All right. Well, you know what, Rob? I think uh, I think we're gonna wrap up this this episode. <laughs> it was a, a exciting tale, but it's it's over now. So. Thank you for listening, and I'd love it if you guys would tune in next time for another exciting Interrupted. In the year 2525, if man is still alive. Tale.